Dave Giese is a lecturer in media studies and also manages the television studios at SUNY Oneonta. I had a conversation with him recently about his more than 30 years of teaching and observing the media landscape. So, I wanted to talk to you, Dave, because you and I have a lot in common. We're both uh, somewhat interested in the world of broadcast, the world of video, the world of audio, the world of media creation. And in the 21st century world of content creation, we're also teaching people um, who probably have no recollection of the world we grew up in. Uh, Tell me what's changed in terms of, I mean, you've been around this college for almost 35 years. Over that period of time, there are um, eons of change that have occurred in both hardware and the nature of the media that we're training people to become a part of. Well, um, even at the college, the college, um, in in my time here, as you say, um, it it mirrors what's going on on the outside. Um, When I first came here, uh, one of our studios was still black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Analog gear. Um, We broadcast um, to all of the classrooms on a closed circuit system that was throughout campus. the campus uh, uh, instructors would schedule a video from our library. We would then put it in the broadcast schedule and push it out to their classroom. So they would have a special channel that they would access that on? Yeah, we had a a seven-channel closed-circuit system and direct lines to all of the IRC um, lecture halls. Um, And we had a master control operator like a TV station would have that would keep the daily schedule going. you know, the two television studios were used to make educational content um, Interesting. as well as teach the courses. Um, at the time I came here, the television um, program had just, or the mass comm program had just become a minor. Um, so they were just starting with the television broadcasts. Um, we got very lucky. We were able to transli- uh, convert um, some of the old analog cameras and things out um, to digital relatively quickly to the first generation of chip cameras um, and that kind of equipment. Um, but the camera signals were still analog. So while the cameras were digital, the rest of it was still you know, full analog broadcast. Uh, yeah. But those changes, again, you know, we changed because the industry had to change. Um, and slowly over the years, we, this, this analog has now developed into the full high def, no broadcasting anymore to the classrooms because it's all internet based and yeah. the faculty can just go out and find what they need or bring it with them on a thumb drive. Um, and yeah. so, um, and, and, and that's largely what's happened in the real world. The broadcasters certainly still broadcast within their markets, um, but they all stream now. They all certainly have to maintain that digital pathway that keeps them on the high def track um, for consumers and everything else that goes along with that. And that streaming takes place through their own uh, internet channel. Well, yes. Every you know, I think every television station now, small market, medium, or large, has um, IT people working for them. Um, it's just it's just a must. Our whole studio is on its own private network. Um, just to keep things operational so everything talks to each other. It's all internet-based. Um, if I put it on the public network, there are things that I could put an app on my phone and control things from home if I wanted to, mm. um, that type of thing. Um, and, and the networks are all in that mode now. They were a little slow, I think, on the uptake 
Um, we were chatting earlier off mic, but but I remember one of the very first internet videos of the space shuttle. It was a very tiny, about one and a half inch square, seven and a half frame per second, very pixelated video on a 14.4 dial-up modem. And I was sitting there in my dining room watching this on my computer screen going, wow. <laughs> you know, it's it's ugly, but... Video over but, the internet. But wow. But the broadcasters were slow in some respects to to buy into that because the, they were always about quality. And I get that. Sure. They were always about quality and they needed to maintain their quality for their customers. Um, but in that, they were a little slow to come around to the idea of how fast the internet and the broadband and the pipelines developed to where we're pushing 4K video from Netflix, um, right. things like that. So, Of course, some people say that we were slow to adopt various internet and cellular standards because we had this elaborate telephone copper twisted pair copper wire system that we had installed and everybody thought that had to be the basis for the internet well there is that um but as you know as you know with with the push of at&t and verizon and now a lot of the private companies um, they were a little quicker to jump on the bandwagon, I think, and get those infrastructures. The cable companies, they couldn't let the cable companies out-cable them, mm. is what was happening. You saw Time Warner and Charter and all these companies, I think, were in, in, in the timeline of things. They were moving a little faster than the phone companies did at some level. But the phone companies then were, you know, Verizon especially, you know, they, because they already had the basic infrastructure, um, and a lot of a lot of the cell phone traffic, once it hit the towers, was still passing on copper at, early right. on. Yeah. Uh, but now with all the fiber optic pulling and everything else that's going on, bigger, more faster. They're getting up to five, you know, five G networks. You can't really get them unless you're in a large metropolitan area right now. But everything is relative. By the time they get the five Gs in the big areas, all the rural areas and things like that, will be catching up to four G and as as fast as as fast as it can be. I keep wondering, though, if the cable companies having all this investment buried in the ground, that could all be made moot by uh, certain bandwidth wirelessly that people can get streaming over the air. Well, you know, again, it's a combination of wireless, you know, it's, it's you know, and and the and the fiber and everything else, because. Reception at the cell tower and to your phone is where your wireless transfer takes place. Right. But to get to the cell towers, you're either getting there by satellite, another sat, another microwave relay, or by physical fiber optic cable hmm. to bigger processing hubs. This still functions like the internet for the most part, if, uh, if I'm correct about this, is that you know we make the call, it hits the tower, tower either relays it to the next bigger place till it gets where it has to go, hits the fiber, goes to a bigger distribution center. Because you have to remember, we talk about our internet and everything else. If we're accessing the internet, we're eventually going through one of these di distribution centers where you know, if I send a picture to you, that picture is stored in about 700 different places right. around the world before you actually get it. In packets. You know, in packets. So, and, and, um, so it, it's all tied together now. Um, and what, you know, you know, maybe less copper, but still combinations of satellite transmission Hard line. So what they're burying is still quite relevant and probably will be for quite some time. And of course, as you pointed out, you have to mirror that in your own operation here because when I first came here 15 years ago, you were operating out with a satellite truck 
and probably a microwave unit perhaps. Uh, and that is all made academic, no pun intended, by the fact that you have such an incredible amount of bandwidth at your disposal now. Well, you know, and, and that's that's true. We had, you know, as we went through our development, we, we took on the local public access channels. So we were transmitting programming created by the college, created by students, created by others. So we maintained a, a, a cable presence channel and did that type of broadcasting. We did at one point in time, we, well, we used to hire a satellite, you know, when, when, uh, when, when distance learning started to really take off and satellite training sessions and teleconferences, as they were called, were becoming popular. Um, we did a few from campus. Um, we did one for Cornell Cooperative Extension on farm tractor safety um, with, uh, with NICAM um, years ago. We did several in training when our, when our um, computers folks were upgrading to Oracle and doing all those types of things. Hmm. Um, we did a certain amount of satellite training, and eventually we were able to purchase our own so we didn't have to keep hiring one. Um, and we used that for a little while, but then as things went, at, at this point right now, we, you know, the Internet has supplanted the ability to send high-def digital files over the, and stream them over the Internet at whatever high-def level that is supplants the need for this public access channel. In, in a bigger metropolitan area, you might still have them, but in an area like this, I can reach more people by putting out an on-demand internet file than I could with the public access channel that would only hit like 23,000 households. So and in effect, you have your own YouTube channel. Well, this, the, the Wire TV Club has their own YouTube channel. The college certainly has one, and they have presence on all other social media that they choose to be on. Um, and you know, creating digital media for those for those markets, um, but the, like you say, the reach is much greater. When I first came here, we were making uh, you know, recruiting videos and sending them out to be mass duplicated on VHS tape, <laughs> um, later DVDs, and mailing them to students and prospective students and things like that. Nah, you just yeah, you put together a file, you post it on the internet, send them a tweet, and say, here, check this out, and it's as instantaneous as just just bumping into them on the street and just saying, hey, look at this. You know, whereas before we were waiting for the tape to arrive, they had to watch the tape, then they had to decide they're going to do something. So, And the consumption of whatever is known as television uh, or video, I have a background in television news that went back to the 1980s um, when people used to get uh, a lot of their television over the air. I tell my students they can still get their television for free and they look at me like I've got two heads. They don't realize that a digital signal is still being sent out there, but they don't watch ad-supported television or appointment television today anyway. Not as, not as often. Um, sports consumption, certainly. Um, yeah. there's, there's still a very big market for the live event, um, sports, all those types of things. Um, but now with, with um, companies like Amazon, Netflix, everybody developing their their own production companies, even HBO and, and Cinemax, those companies are feeling the competition from the privates now that are starting to develop their own materials. I mean, even, even you know, Spectrum has shows, our cable provider, they have shows that they are creating with known talent and, and, and things like that as Netflix well. is spending $18 billion on content this year alone. Yeah. And they'll do the same thing next year. Mm -hmm. And they feel they have to because Disney is taking away a lot of their content uh, for its own streaming 
channel. Well, there is that, but the other thing too that's really nice about this, and, and this is something that, that was one of my, my personal observations, and, and maybe you've noticed this too, especially when it came to television. We had this time where, as television first came into being, you had the three networks, maybe PBS, okay? A couple of independents here and there. And programming, for the most part, was really very good because everybody was fighting for the ad dollar right. and fighting for the market share. And so they, you know, when you had the shows back in the 70s, the All in the Families, the Mashes, the, the, those lineups that the networks had, they were really well put together programs. And then cable and satellite came along. And now instead of half a dozen channels at your house, it, I mean, it started with about 30 channels. Right. All of a sudden content had to be gleaned for those 30 channels. Now in this digital world that we're in, on my cable box, if I, you know, there's 1,900 individual <laughs> digital channels right. that are possible. And where is the content for that going to come? And so what it did was it made the networks and it made the TV stations and stuff, it, it, it made them try to fill more with less. And I think the quality of a lot of television went down because of that. Not necessarily the sporting events. Those things, those types of live events always kept with what they always did. But it was the regular stuff. It was, it, you know, again, you know, like the music industry, you have bands that, that in the 70s and 80s, when they really hit, they stayed forever. People still go to see Aerosmith. People still go to see these classic bands. Of course, a lot and, of people believe that uh, the baby boomers are the only ones who can afford to buy tickets for these people. That's why these 70-year-old uh, geezer groups are still uh, touring because... The only people who could afford to buy their $150 tickets are baby boomers. Well, there is that. There is that. <laughs> but but go, to a, go to a sporting event and listen to the music that they're playing in the arena. It's a certain amount of new stuff, but every now and then this old stuff starts to creep right back in again. <laughs> you know, we're talking, about, we're talking about, for instance, at this very week that we're recording this interview, our, our college dance companies doing their dance performance. Well, one of the performances is a whole bunch of Queen music. Is that right? Okay, so you know the the, the biopics that are coming out from some of these classic artists yeah. now they're they're very very popular and very well done. But getting back to the quality thing, once again with TV, there was a time where my personal opinion was there was so much garbage on TV that really wasn't worth watching. They would find shows that they could milk as many advertisers out of that they could, and then they were canceled within a couple of years. Yeah, like I one-hit wonders in the music business. But now, with with the proliferation of the you know Netflix, Amazon, these other bigger companies that are now breaking into this business, um, the kinds of shows that they are putting out there are very good. And people appreciate it, and they're watching them, and they're getting into them. And the and, real talent in Hollywood is making episodic streaming media uh, more so than they are doing uh, box office movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because the 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 well, the residuals are there. You know, you, you, you get your show on there, and they keep playing it over and over and over again. That's your retirement package, but. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know how but, Netflix, um, Netflix is working that, but uh, you're probably right. Certainly, the residuals have worked for Friends and for um, Big Bang Theory and uh, a lot of those classic 100-episode uh, 
uh, situation comedies. Those are really hot now and people are fighting over them. Uh, the, the streamers are fighting over these episodic uh, situation comedies that are now being served up to a new generation that never saw them before. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's and it's it's and it's just part of it's the nature of media to to to, to um, repeat itself in a lot of ways. I mean, think of how many times you know the other problem we have in Hollywood too is that how many times can you remake Batman? <laughs> okay, uh, you know, superhero stuff is really really popular right now, and that's cool i don't you know i don't particularly get into the genre a lot i will pay attention to it but finding new and unique stuff every now and then to go to the movie theater for you know it's getting tough well maybe this added infusion of capital that's going into the streaming media uh, will create opportunities for the innovative the unusual the new genre that isn't the iterative uh, phenomenon that existed with the the westerns that occurred in the 70s and 80s and then the uh, cop shows that happened and then the uh, doctor shows that have I mean it's it's all iterative kind because nobody there's nothing that succeeds like success so uh, everybody wants to make what worked last year oh and 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 I can't you know they're in business you can't blame them yeah okay you have to you have to make what people are willing to 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 pay you know pay for whether via ad dollars or whether your ticket to the movie theater, you know. But as I tell my students, in a, you know, in the studio production class, that realistically, if we try hard enough, we can trace just about any program or movie you're watching right now back to the origination, to the to an original movie of some sort, or original idea of some sort, because they're all largely the same. It's just what can technology do to make it different, and how can you retell the story? Speaking of your students. What are they interested in? Where do they see themselves going? Where, where can you tell them they're going uh, in 21st century media production? Well, in, you know, in 21st century media production, there's, there's certainly a variety of options. Um, one of the biggest ones is just independent freelance work because, um, it, you know, again, the technology has changed. You can get reasonable technology for yourself to do freelance work with, to do your own work with. It's a lot of indie stuff is cropping up these days. In the broadcast television market, you're still relatively limited to your local channel news and working up that market. Getting into sports broadcasting, there's so many, you know, I mean, it used to be you only saw the professionals and maybe the D1 colleges and even the D1 colleges were limited. Now you can see, you know, at any given evening, all the way down to the to the high school level now, being broadcast on cable channels. Right. Um, so live the live events side of it, because my 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 particular point area of interest is the live and, and the studio production environment. Those types of things are are largely where that kind of work is 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 special events, sports. Um, right. And, and that kind of coverage or being able to shoot packages and, and be part of um, bigger programs. Here at the college, what is done in terms of sports broadcasting? We have our own athletic program. To what extent does that make it into video and get, quote, broadcast? Well, it's, it's, it's not a perfect world. Um, the athletic department does most of their own streaming for the most part. Um, we can stream from every field except for the tennis courts. Um, we can field stream from soccer, basketball, um, for volleyball, 
chase for wrestling when they set it up the upper field and and the baseball field of course I and I believe in this coming year we'll hit the softball field as well so they can stream their games out they're done very simply so uh, it's a single a one camera. a single camera yeah and if, it's locked down no they if they'll have an operator on it to follow what needs to be followed um, but they don't do it with um, the same kind of eye um, that somebody who's gone through a certain amount of videography training or something would do because it's largely one of the other athletes doing it. The simple reason for that is, is that their schedule is their schedule. Our students don't necessarily work on an athlete's schedule, so it's hard to right. get people to roll into those things. Um, the video club that's Wire TV, which is the live-based club, or the studio-based club, um, when they have enough people who can build that interest, um, then we will do larger live broadcasts with multiple cameras, replay graphics, announcers, all of that. But there has to be, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a major undertaking. And so you have to have enough people to pull it off. Person, you know, somebody who's going to be willing to take on that producer role um, and put it together. I don't think people realize how collaborative and how, what a team project-oriented uh, phenomenon is live broadcast television where you've got somebody turning on mics, somebody doing uh, Chiron work or character generator on the screen, somebody else is doing, you've got three or four cameras, uh, each of them staffed and you and moving around and the director is telling them where to go and which shot to take. So there's a, a lot of moving parts in this and it has to be coordinated and it's not easily done in a club basis. Well, it, it can be if there's the interest. For When we first started getting into the sports broadcasting, we just the club happened to have a very large group of students that were just very interested in it um, and at the time a couple of students who who came here for that specific experience because we had done some athletic broadcasting in the past um, when you know we would we did uh, the Oneonta's Mayor's Cup a couple times we um, broadcast and this is before the program was even a major we still had our live truck at the time um, and we hired the Uplink and we went to Troy and we broadcast the Oneonta girls basketball team in the when they won the state championships those two years in a row. Mm. Um, and we piggybacked off the radio broadcast for the announcers and had a crew doing the cameras and the rest of it. And you were doing play-by-play? Play. They were doing play-by-play. You know, but we had a very core of about six students at the time that were just so interested and they were able to pull just the, the you know the, the orbit pulled a few more in so we were able to do it for a while. Um, and that group kept it going for a bit where we did we did broadcasting from Delhi through the National Junior College Basketball playoffs when they were there uh, and, and certain things like that. But as it is a club and as they are students, you know, you know, you have to see who's graduating when. <laughs> and because they were all here at relatively the same time, they of course all graduated at the same time. <laughs> and that left a very big hole. Yeah, and so sure. it so it so it ebbs and flows. Right now we're kind of in, in an ebb because we just came off um, another round of there was a core group of about four that wanted to do a lot of broadcasting and one who was very interested in doing a lot of the producing and he pulled it all together and he also knew how to do the engineering and so he was just able to keep pulling this all together but then he graduated <laughs> <laughs> and in that vein you know so right now we are in a, a place where we're trying to rebuild that again and it's just going to take the club recruiting and getting some people that are going to pull this together but again um, it, it takes a little bit of time because we have to be able to do it on the schedule 
that our teams play. So, and Outside. that's two in the afternoon, and, and for outdoor sports on <clears throat> the unlighted field, that's two in the afternoon or four in the afternoon, depending on whether it's fall or, or spring. Um, people are in classes. Uh, so, sure. so you have to either develop something that allows people to be out of classes to do this kind of stuff. Basketball is another one. We probably will get a basketball game or two in, in, in the current academic year. But we do both. We don't just do men's or women's. They both right. play on the same night. Uh-huh. So we do both. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So, but if they have the interest, then it goes quite well. Aside from sports, what kind of original programming are you attempting to achieve with the Wired Club or in some other classwork? Well, the club itself, um, again, uh, they, they were up to about six shows. Um, they had a news show, a sports talk, a late night style show. Uh, the View style show, which is still going, called The Oval. So they, have, they, they emulate what they've seen on TV, and they've got some, some shows going right now. A couple of them have stopped production this semester because too many people graduated again and not enough people came hmm. in to fill their shoes. Because the hard part about it is, you know, the, the, you have a general interest meeting and a lot of people show up, and then they realize that it's way more than just getting to walk in the studio and play with toys. Yeah. You have to put some work in <laughs> to do a studio-based show. Um, and it takes some time so, working with other people. You know, one of my producers was telling me, she said, yeah, I had somebody come and say, can I, can I join the show? And she was like, yeah, you can join the show. If I left after one, how would that be? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's that kind of, a, a, of an interest and that kind of a thing. Um, there's a film style club as well uh, that shoots single camera stuff, but I don't know if they've been that active this particular semester because I think a lot of their members graduated and they got to roll it back in again. Um, so clubs like that do ebb and flow. It's hard because they're non, you know, they're non-standard. You produce at night. You produce on the weekends. Um, it's not a nine-to-five thing because that's when your classes are. So it's it's very difficult. But they, well, you know, the, when the, you know the the shows that are going right now are going quite well. Oval has been, you know, was developed only a few years ago by a couple of students, and it's um, it's gone through some minor changes, but largely. Um, it's going quite well, and they have a good crew. There's a brand new show that just started up called Girl Talk. Um, the producer wanted to, to develop that show. She went through all the correct processes to develop the show, presented it to the e-board. e-board said, yes, go ahead. She's got all of her crew, all the talent, this type of thing that's going on. They have a production meeting. They get their show ready, um, and they shoot, and, they go, and, and it works. The movie show's still going. Sideliners is still going, which is the sports talk show. Right. Uh, so... There's really some, it, a lot of it depends on whether or not the students are themselves committed enough to right. spend enough time on it to have the show evolve to where it's yeah. broadcast worthy. It, you know, it's, it's, it's like any, any other club. They have to bring the next members along. Each producer should have an assistant producer who's willing to take the show on when they graduate. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's again, but if, if you don't have somebody that's interested in, let's say, news, they may not want to do that. Right. And so you know, it becomes difficult at times to, to keep that going um, because I don't develop the shows and say, hey, come and learn on this show. That's not what this is about. It's a club, so the club has to make their own way and do their own thing. And as I said, as a club, it ebbs and flows. The club has been going, the, the, the six shows they were producing, they they were producing them for, for three, four years in a row. But I guess again, you know, we're graduating last last year we grad the we graduated a fair amount of the executive producer staff right and so it it hurts the shows in some ways to what extent is the hardware a bottleneck 
in this process? Or have you fared pretty well in terms of uh, getting what you need to uh, put the right toys in the right hands? We have a good studio. We're all high def, uh, not 4K, but then, you know, none of the broadcasters are either. If somebody tells you, you know, buy a 4K TV, uh, you're not getting 4K from a broadcaster there. It's still down at 720 and 1080. Um, Yeah. But um, the only way you get 4K is a true signal straight into your TV from your computer. <laughs> um, and even that's going to be compressed. But um, no, we have a good studio. Um, it's, it's set up well with, with gear that students would see in a medium and small market TV station. Um, our portable gear for doing the sporting events um, needs an upgrade now. Some of it's a little old, but we're still capable of doing quite a bit with it. Um, and it's still high definition. Are you including a lot of the cameras that we use in uh, other classes to be able to teach students how to go out and shoot a, uh, a news package, let's say? Well, there's certainly the, the, the coursework in and around single camera production leads into those types of things and how to put together you know, a basic, if you want to call it a mini documentary or story type of thing, there's, you know, that's one of the things that you kind of begin to develop as you start with intro and work your way through the advanced production courses. And it's all, you know, that, that gear has all been upgraded quite nicely. We, we did that this year um, with a, the college was very kind to the department and we had a nice influx of money and we were able to upgrade a lot of the audio and video production gear to 4K cameras, newer recorders, digital recorders, things like that for the audio side. Um, a lot of support gear that goes with all of that. So there's a light kit. Oh yeah, we're yeah all LED light kits, and anybody that thinks their light is dreaming because they still weigh a ton, but <laughs> but at least they have, they have wheels. Uh, but um, so yeah, all of the all of the support mechanism is there for that type of shooting as well, and we have enough cameras and gear that nobody seems to be uh, lacking in the ability to get gear to do productions. We have some students that bring their own gear as well. Is that right? Yeah, their own cameras at least. And of course, uh, we have maybe twenty plus. Uh, different kits that students can sign out in order to be able to do their own projects or do projects that are consistent with a course. We, you know, the course, you know, the courses get all the new gear, um, and we make sure that that doesn't disappear for non-instructional purposes. Um, if somebody needs to use equipment for um, something other than instructional or coursework, course-related work, we keep some of the older gear in service so they can still use that. I see. Yeah, we're, we're very green-minded. We don't really get rid of anything until it's really outdated. So in your heart of hearts, where do you see things going in the next five years? Well, you know, the technology, again, what's interesting about the television and the video technology is that it's, it's relatively consistent. We're just looking at, at what would be considered the quality upgrades, um, you know, from standard HD to 4K to, you know, if, if you know, Cinema 4K or HD or 8K is going to come into play for shooting on full-size CinemaScope screens. I don't know if, if you know how that's going to play into what you know where we go with technology. I've got old production switchers like you would see in the studio. Uh, they work the same as the new ones. That really the architecture really hasn't changed much other than you can program them like a computer and and with automation things like that. Um, I I see maybe the studio production side of things taking a good serious look at adding. Um, automation to our 
Studio package so students can learn that because a lot of the small and medium market stations, a lot of automation going out of there. A lot sure. of recent graduates, um, they you know, finding that they have to go in and learn some of the automation softwares from the from the broadcast related gear. Um, so putting something like that in, it's not an inexpensive proposition right. uh, because it's not only just automating your production switcher and how it changes visual images. It has to control your audio board, but you also have to have new cameras and pan tilt heads and everything that the automation software can control so you can control every aspect of your production. And that's not a small amount of money. But of course, as you pointed out, we're all just basically storytellers. Uh, communication and media is all about is telling stories and composing in various media to tell stories. You have to be able, you have to, be able to convey the message. The message is, is, is nothing if it's not consumed and not conveyed properly. Right. Um, and in all honesty, you can shoot with the most expensive camera, but if you don't know how to take a decent image, your message is not going to get conveyed. Um, so, you know, talking about the technology is, you know, it's nice to have nice new technology. There are certain things about it that, that help drive the production process along, but the very basics of how media tells a story and begins to tell a story has not changed since the inception of media. Only the vehicle with which we create it and how we put it back out there again. If you don't know how to, to, to package a message and follow basic production timelines and, and the skills that go along with it, you know, you're not conveying the message. So. When I first came here 15 years ago, there were fewer than 300 majors in something called the speech and theater department. And now it has evolved to communications and media, and we're topping 650 majors. Uh, what do you tell these people that they're being prepared for in the 21st century world of work? Well, you know, we, I tell them that they just need to be very confident in what they're learning, but also just to be confident enough to go try stuff. Um, when, you, when you're in a program like this, you, 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 any, at any school, you get a certain amount of expertise and, and time with the equipment. Until you really get out there and start seeing how things are done more often, more regular, you're doing one thing regularly and learning it as opposed to a smattering of this, a smattering of that, because it's what you have time to do in a four-year program in. Don't be afraid to try something. Don't be afraid to move because you, you know, if, I, if you want to live around your house and your home, I get it, but that may not be where the jobs are. And you have to be willing to go out and try something and move away and work your way back. Build your chops, work your way back. That's, that's what this kind of business is anyway. You don't, unless you have somebody, like you say, a relative in the business, you really don't end up working. No, it's a vagabond business. It, it always is. was early on in my career. So, in fact, you, you weren't really making any progress unless you were fired from a couple of jobs. <laughs> True. Where <laughs> the jobs changed, changed underneath you. So, you know, so, so that's, you know, my point to the students is that, and, and we had a couple of guest speakers that came into our event just recently that kind of echoed the same thing. So, you know what? Skills are skills. You will develop skills. What people are really looking for is somebody who's going to work hard, has a good attitude, and is going to learn what they are being shown. You know, knowing certain things, knowing the basics of what you come out of here with, that's a good stepping stone. But to have somebody say, yeah, this person knows how to do this, this, and this, but you know what? They never were afraid to ask a question. When you showed them something, they only had to be taught once. Yeah. And off they went. And because they can the, work. Because in. the nature of this is changing so rapidly. It's such a 
technology-driven mm -hmm. business that uh, as soon as you think you understand it, it just changed. And so the people who are best at it are those who are infinitely adaptable and lifelong learners. Well, yeah, and, and the other thing too is, 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 and that reflects, I think, you know, why we're here after 33 years for me and, you know, and how many years you've been in the industry as well. Um, you know, as I tell my students and any students, even when they come through on tours and see things, I say, look, you know, I, I, I tour elementary schools and, and junior high school students through the studio every year. And one of the things we talk about is, I said, look, when I started in this business, there were still things that were black and white, <laughs> okay? Flat panels were a wallboard. <laughs> they weren't a monitor. Uh, you know, the nature of, of what we have is... I've seen the technology and I've had to develop with the technology and everything I've had to learn from black and white analog television to digital high def streaming. If I was not willing to learn any of that and I was still sitting at home with rabbit ears on a black and white TV going grumble, 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 <laughs> right? You know, I would not be in the position I am today with my career, with you know, the things I'm able to do. So think about what the technology is going to be between what you're seeing now because none of you, you know, I, I have an old two-inch videotape in my office, an old two-inch black and white videotape from the an good old, old days. Right. Yep, and I pull that out and I hold it up next to an SD card and I say, think about what the technology is going to be like when you get 33 years into your career. You must learn to adapt and go through with all of this because change will come no matter what. And you either let it blow you out of the water or you learn to adapt with it. And that's what makes your career. And that's what makes communications and media. Oh, yeah. So... But, you know, and it's, and it's, if you don't think that you're never going to write in a media career, you are sorely wrong. <laughs> learn to write. Learn to learn. You have to just want to learn. If you don't want to learn, you're never going to move any further in a career path that you have. That's a good place to end our conversation today. Thank you, Dave Giese. You're welcome. Thank you very much.